Welcome to the Highway to Well. Today we're talking with Sharon Eunice, founder and CEO of Water Bear Planet. Water Bear Planet provides immersive meditation and nature-based stress relief experiences to promote healthy living. On this very special episode of Highway to Well, Sharon and I will talk about the role presence, stillness, and mindfulness plays in helping us on our pathway to restoration. We'll also talk about the value of play, creativity, and intention in promoting self-efficacy and prosperity. Thank you again for listening. Let's get on the highway to well. Humpback's tail waves Could there be a day better than today? Better than today, no, 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 no. Welcome back to the Highway to Well. Today we're talking with Sharon Yunus, founder and CEO of Water Bear Planet. And Water Bear Planet is um, a organization that Sharon has built to design and deliver experiences that promote well-being, self-care, and connection to nature. And she also has an incredibly bold mission on her for her organization. And if you go to our website, you can see that it clearly is positioned to make personal and planetary prosperity your legacy, which I applaud Sharon for taking that initiative on. But I'm really excited to talk with her today and have her explain the development of Water Bear Planet and, and where it really sits in this field of opportunities for people to practice wellness in their lives and, and in their work sites or in their homes and with their families and friends. And connect with nature. So Sharon, welcome to the Highway to Well. And and I want you to want you to talk first. I, I want you to dive into how did you get to this journey of building Water Bear Planet and explain what what was the impetus behind that and and how did you how did you make that um, connection for people available and, and what it's meant for you and, and for your work. Cool. Well, thank you, Derek, for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited to explore all these uh, areas with you. Thank you so much um, for the warm introduction. And I guess to answer your multiple questions, I started Water Bear Planet to, you know, obviously, I feel like in life, we often teach or do the things that we need most for ourselves. Um, so for me, I definitely was experiencing a lot of stress and worry and tension uh, in my system and uh, had been living in various places uh, in my 20s and into my 30s, early 30s. And some of them were very urban, some of them were more rural um, and really, really enjoyed my time connecting in nature when I was in, in an urban area, um, but then also when I was in a more rural area, having access to just a totally different uh, scenery, landscape, uh, natural surrounding, and noticing uh, how that affected me and how much I loved it. Um, and then when I was back in an urban area, <clears throat> when I moved back to New York City, <clears throat> um, missing it tremendously and trying to carve out moments of connection with nature in the parks or by the river. And, you know, that's a journey. How do you deeply connect with nature? Why did I care so much? Um, and um, why did I value it so much? I think it was a very intrinsic experience. It was very personal. Um, I mean, I'm not alone in saying that, you know, lots of people find solace in nature and restorative experiences in a natural environment. And mainly because it feels good, mainly because you can feel, or at least I did, I felt more expansive, you know, when I found myself at the top of a mountain um, or had, you know, spent time in the desert when I was in college you just have these different experiences and they can be transforming and life-changing and you get to feel yourself in the presence of a larger place um, that can give you a different sensory experience. So for example, I remember um, 
you know, how small you feel when you're, when, or how small I felt when I was on the top of the mountain. And there's something that opens with you that unlocks and, you know, you, you feel it's kind, in a sense, it's a kind of spiritual experience. Um, and not only is that intriguing, it's also uplifting and very important. And so part of me creating Water Bear Planet was how do I bring that experience into um, our day-to-day lives? It doesn't have to be that immensely profound, um, but those experiences, you know, that many of us may have had in our lives at various times, um, whether it was in relationship with others or um, in connection with a natural experience or a religious experience, um, they're all geared towards helping, in my view, helping me and helping us to not just have them special separate experiences, but have them integrate into our humanity and how we choose to live our lives and how we choose to be with ourselves and be with others. So Water Bear Planet is and came out of all of that kind of exploration um, in my personal life. And the goal of the company, as you highlighted so beautifully is to promote personal well-being in connection with nature and the vehicle for that is you know being able to take time for ourselves and to use self-care as the vehicle to get there Um, and that's how you create more personal well-being for ourselves And for the planet, the prosperity piece is very much about quality of life. And I'm a big believer in how you feel during any activity is the most important thing. Uh, At the end of the day, that's what you remember. And there's, you could be doing the same thing and feel amazing about it, or you could be doing, doing that and feeling horrible. So there's a journey in, in that as well. Uh, so Water Bear Planet is, is a service, is a studio which creates experiences to connect people in a very everyday mundane way of connecting with nature, contemplating your self-care, focusing on how you're doing, being your own best friend, and taking a very gentle incremental approach to playing with our quality of life. (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. I think your overview, there's some things in there that I don't want us to overlook on the importance of, because ultimately what your, your work is through directly through water bear planet, anyone that visits your site can see that there are, our class is based on certain kind of areas or functions that are aimed to improve and connect that experience. And that's really, that's the, that's the beauty of the work you're doing. But how you get there isn't just like we shouldn't just bypass all these reasons why and then say, well, then it exists and then people should jump in and have that experience. It's, is that and we talk about this so much in the wellness field is that like the process of restoration and renewal and rejuvenation require a couple things to happen. One is that we need to be present. We need to be still. We need to have an experience that connects our mind, body, and spirit that otherwise we're not having. Otherwise, we're never going to get to renewal, restoration, or rejuvenation. We're just going to repeat the treadmill and even though we may check off the box that, oh, I, I went to Water Bear Planet, and you know what, I took, I took Sharon's sleep class, but I wasn't prepared for it because I didn't, I didn't understand the element of the why. And so you're, you just talked a lot about the why. And the why is that there is something elemental about a experience in nature, whether that's, like you said, the being at the top of a mountain. And there's reasons why. There are so many spiritual um, ideas or connections or books, poets, 
you know, art that's created through the na- through our natural experiences. And so there's, we understand that part of that connective tissue we have with m- nature involves the experience of something outside of our realm of our, our day-to-day grind. So that's, that's the theme of what you're cultivating. But then you get into the, and I wanted you to talk about the immersive meditation process, but also you're, so when, when we look at the content and what you are offering, this involves our sleep, um, a virtual trail walk and then sound bath and silent meditation, all these immersive experiences. So I want you to talk about that immersive process and then the need for that. So, and we've talked a little bit about this, our, our, how fast the pace of life that we, we live, that we've, we've bypassed the mindfulness process in whatever way. And you're offering this immersive opportunity for us to take a step back and completely indulge ourselves in our mind, body, spirit connection. And, and that's the beauty of it. So I want you to, I want you to talk about the benefit of that immersive meditation process and how you arrived at the components for the actual, the actual items that are on Water Bear Planet for people who are getting very curious about their connections mm-hmm. right now. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so the Water Bear Planet uh, was always built and designed uh, from a company standpoint to create immersive experiences. Um, so the expression through these online mindful nature immersions that you've described, um, the list that you gave of the trail walk or the sound bath, those are part of our public class series that are offered weekly. Um, it's all about the experience. And co- again, coming back to that quality. So uh, a great example for listeners is to think about how you experience a meal or food. Um, I live in New York City currently, um, and historically, you know, it's a very, very fast paced place to be. People would eat standing at a cafe, on the go, on the run. Very different than, you know, other cultures, even in other parts of the country, I'm sure, where the, the pace of life is slower. Um, you know, how much are you in that moment able to enjoy your meal? Are you taking it? Uh, if people talk about mindful eating, but it, you know, it's just think back to an example of where you had this most amazing meal that felt so good and you tasted every morsel and the flavors were good because the quality of the food was good and the company was good. And you were just in this state of curiosity and openness and um, exploration and you were open to receiving uh, that food in a different way than say, if you're working on your homework or watching the TV or running to the next meeting, you may have ingested that food, but you may not have experienced it fully. Um, and so with water bear planet, it was always about creating experiences to, in a sense, highlight and educate about our sensory experience. We are physical animals. We're beings that have these beautiful nervous systems. And, you know, we are built as sensory creatures. And uh, part of the reason when we're in nature that it feels, makes can make us feel so alive is suddenly, we're, A, we're in a different environment. I mean, if you think about being in a room your main senses that are going to be activated are going to be your eyes. You're going to see light um, or sense light. Uh, You'll feel the temperature of the room um, and maybe some of the sounds, Uh, but it's pretty still, it's pretty static. And so when you go into nature, it's a dynamic experience. Um, You don't know, can't predict which bird's going to fly overhead. The wind will come out of nowhere, a breeze. You might walk past the stream um, hear things, maybe you'll go into the stream and feel the coolness of the water. Um, you know, mindfulness is about being present and being as slow paced as you need to be to fully receive the experience, to fully take it in. 
if it feels safe for you to be doing that and it feels like, yes, I want to get more nourishment. I mean, food is nourishment, but there's so many layers and levels of nourishment that go beyond the physical substance that we take in. How are you feeling when you're taking in that food or when you're in the sunshine? Are you feeling like you're pushing it away because you're about to get a sunburn, which is totally valid? You might want to put on a hat. Is it too intense or is it the right amount where you can really feel the warmth and um, soak in it? So we all have had different experiences that are examples in our lives that point to that. So the work Water Bear Planet is doing is very specifically geared towards helping us to slow down just enough to take time for ourselves. So I do talk a lot about pers- taking quality personal time. I mean, there's a need for that because we're all, most of us are very busy and doing lots of different things depending on the structure of our lives and being able to take a break for ourselves can feel like a luxury, but it's not, it's a necessity. Uh, So we provide uh, time to do that. And then an experience which says, Hey, really take this in. Um, So we're creating a facilitated live experience that uh, it's, we work with the sense of sound in our online classes specifically. Uh, so we're actually become nature, a nature DJ. We live mix a nature soundscape that's dynamic and fluid and um, unpredictable, uh, but soothing. <laughs> and it's not just a looping track. So there's, an, there's an, a live quality to it and an artistic process with that. And we're essentially creating a, you know, a safe space to, hey, I'm going to be here. There's a human at the other end of the line, namely me at the moment, uh, where you, know, you have 25 minutes to be in, transported to a nature soundscape, a landscape of your imagination that's being uh, instigated by the sounds in the, in the class, in the session. And so you, if you hear a stream, for example, that's what is happening in that landscape. It might take you to a place that you love, that you go to every summer, or it might take you back to the stream by your grandmother's house um, when you were a kid. And you might, you might remember playing in it and it will bring you back there. Um, the intent is always to connect to... Uh, positive and supportive anchoring experiences, which um, pr- promote a positive emotional experience of, of yourself and uh, give you the time and space to have a moment to be transported, which, you know, we're recording this during COVID. So, you know, if you're in lockdown, you can get away for, for an hour. Um, and or even if it's not COVID time and you're listening to this, you know, busy, busy day, busy week, take time away from it um, and be in an environment which is kind of holding your hand, just like, um, you know, a workout class might be, an instructor might push you along. You're not going to just drop off. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a held space and the accountability is to, to stay with it and to be focused in whatever you need to take care of yourself, um, whether that's journaling or meditating or reading a book, even, you know, many, you know, it's really just open, but it's not prescriptive. And that's the difference. Well, and I, there's a a couple thoughts that I had just Mm -hmm. kind of hearing you go through this part of the kind of what we'd say the technical parts of being the participant in one of your platforms too is, and we've talked about, so I, there's kind of two things that I wanted to throw out there or to get your thoughts on. And one is that obviously there's a common thread of stress and anxiety um, with COVID in so many different degrees. There are the tragedies of people that we've lost. There are our social structures are uh, in jeopardy or struggling. Our uh, supply chain for goods and services is has been disrupted and our daily life has obviously been uprooted and and changed for a long period of time. So we have we have this world that we've been trying to manage and that and that creates a level of, of stress and anxiety. And and still 
we talked about this as we kind of entered into our COVID phase, the, the thrust of life under rush um, living and whatever that may be, you're too busy jumping around from everything, you're overworked, you're, your kids are in several different things. So your, your whole life is about getting somewhere fast and that doesn't allow the time to process. And then we enter into a COVID space where we may have more time, but that time isn't dedicated to our spiritual renewal. That time is dedicated towards fretting. And so even, even during this period, there is there, while there's a downtime and stillness that isn't necessarily peaceful a lot of times either. So, what you're offering is the chance, as you said, to block a period of time for yourself to enter that space and to be in a space that may be just as quiet and just as still, but it's, it's now separated from the stress and anxiety. And that is something that we also shouldn't necessarily be overlooking. But those are, you know, those are competing themes that we've seen, like a lot of the a lot of us, especially in the wellness field, and our work is thankfully people have been asking more questions about what we do because the overall mental health and and well-being of of people and employees is on the forefront of all of our minds. And we we have long been discussing the need for this, and under a, in a rushed environment, we didn't get the space and time to talk about it because. It wasn't seen as important because, well, we got to get somewhere. We, I have something to do. I, I don't have time for this discussion. I have to be somewhere. And we, we've been talking about the level of stress and anxiety that, that that life has caused. And now we're in a different world, but we still have another level of stress and anxiety. And you're here to talk about the restorative part of this. And, and that gets to a couple, I know, themes that we wanted to talk about of your work is that is the process of just being, and then our connections and the value of connections and what that means for us to be, to prosper, to, to use one of your words, to prosper, not just survive, but prosper. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I would say that the pa- the pace of life is still really fast, even though things have shifted to being that everything happens from home. I was talking with someone the other day, and it's almost like you can be in more meetings back to back because you don't have the transportation time to get from one building <laughs> to the next. Or exactly, um, you know, the expectation is well, you know, all you have to do is click to another screen, and so you know. It, the prospering is about, and the slowing down enough to restore is about really being able to take stock of where an individual is at personally and that being okay. And I do agree that, you know, and, and I'm happy that the conversation has shifted more into the open about stress. I mean, it's not good that we have to have those conversations, but at least it's, it's being aired now in a exploratory way um, so that just working to working yourself to the bone isn't necessarily the only option. And you can now have a conversation about doing something about it and get support for it. Um, that's definitely a, re- a marked shift since COVID, I would say. Um, and so it's important to Think about ourselves individually because until you and, and our well being, uh, because until you do that, you can't actually, if you're not in a healthy relationship with yourself, it's hard to create that with others. Um, it's too easy to get uh, enmeshed and entangled with what other people want from you or what you want from other people. Um, so if a workplace has demands, it might be harder for you to say, well, this is where I'm at because of X, Y, and Z, and for them to respect that if you haven't established those boundaries for yourself. So a lot of this, you know, a lot of my own personal 
uh, journey and work has been around personal boundaries and relationships. And so connection to nature and being able to slow down enough to really take stock of where you're at and to know what it feels like when you feel good and to then have that perspective from which to ask these questions is a different ball game altogether. Um, you need perspective and you need the break and the recovery time to really explore what feels healthy in connection and what doesn't. And then to pursue everything that feels good to you <laughs> as far as connection goes. I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of like the recovery journey in a sense from stress and burnout is partly to, you know, just know where you're at. And a lot of people have gone through that. Um, and when we're fully connected to ourselves and fully connected to nature, our needs change. Like what we, our ability to nourish and fill ourselves up uh, changes. Um, we, re, we, we look for different kinds of experiences. Um, so yeah, we could talk more about that, but yeah. Well, there's, there's a, point here that I wanted to ask you about yeah. and get your thoughts about this process. So one, and I was listening to a writer on talking about some, at the end of the year, so moving into a new year and talking about New Year's and New Year resolutions and blessings and all these kind of restorative processes. And he was reflecting back on COVID and living under an opportunity to practice more mindfulness or to take a step back and reassess our values and try to put ourselves back into like the circle of life and wheel of life that was more positive and uplifting for us. And he said, in the process of doing that, might we be afraid of what we uncover because we've spent so much time mothering ourselves in our work or in our life and our in our rush to do everything before this big pause that we might struggle more because we're afraid of the undergrowth of what is of who we really are. And I'm wondering, you know, with your work and, and your 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 building this opportunity for people to connect with themselves. Um, do you see that you have participants or people that you work with that really struggle with maybe like the early phases of really digging into their kind of reconnecting back with themselves or these meditative processes or along the way they, they discover and then they, they're able to put aside those things that maybe they weren't aware that were so worrisome for them or troubling or that needed to be reaffirmed or changed about their value systems. Because what happens in this in, in, in this restorative process is analysis of ourselves and a benefit analysis of some kind of whether or not this strategy of life has been good for me. And we come out, we come out with pluses and minuses and what do we do mm -hmm. with all the minuses? And, and is that scary for people? Mm-hmm. And yeah. So I, yeah. I, I wanted. I wanted to ask you about that in your work. Do you see that with people, and and what can we do to not discourage them off the path, but welcome that opportunity to help them change their path? Yeah, that's a really excellent question and observation. I. So in my work, uh, it's very gentle. So I'm providing moments of restoration and very gentle, incremental approaches to what can I do in the next three days to take care of myself. Uh, part of what makes big change scary is that we feel like we have to do it all at once when really you just take a couple steps and do little things. And that can, it's a, it's really powerful from a mindset standpoint. Um, and you can feel better pretty quickly. And the classes are, are designed to help people feel better. Even if it's a couple points to feel, to, you know, know that there's a gain there. Um, 
And so the broader question you're talking about is people dig deeper and kind of get into some of the deeper stuff. That's, you know, that gets into the realm of people who might want to seek out uh, therapy or other forms of support because those are very deep, very important questions. The thing about a time like the year we've had, um, it's transformative, whether you like it or not. Uh, lives are different. And it is an opening to reformulate and restructure. And the advice I always give to people or recommend is just be, take it gently. Be gentle with yourself and find Seek out and identify and explore which support is going to be most helpful. Um, and it varies individual to individual. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And there's, I, I love that you brought up the small step kind of methodology. And, and um, I, one, of the, one of the great things that I get to do is teach a class in behavior change theory. And, and it's always incredibly fun to talk about why do people make changes and work with students on their motivation, motivational interviewing processes and, and then get to the core of what is it about change that is frightening for people? But what, what's the best pathway to helping them make change? And, and I, I usually, I like to reflect on for them too, is to look at some recent um, behavioralist, uh, they're, I don't know if I would definitely call James Blair a behavioralist, but his book, Atomic Habits, got a lot of traction. Um, and then B.J. Fogg's work, in, which is shown, too, again, talking about um, skills and, and motivation and, and the balance between those two. And so for people to make change last, it really, if you start small with, like, incremental changes, you tend to get there better and, and it you tend to it tends to last far and you kind of ingrain these changes into your life which is exactly the way it could be as opposed to big bold changes which frighten us and, and usually fail which is why things like new year's resolutions are doomed to fail because they're usually too bold too big without specific small measures to make sure that we can kind of get somewhere so, so to that point about that small incremental changes and, and the beauty of that is like in the wellness field we've been that's not new news like that's been around in the bouncing around in our field forever because ultimately we all want to support change that fits and something that creates that that opportunity for people and so and so that there's there's a couple things there with with your work too that, that we've talked about is is that opportunity for just incremental change and process. And that's what happens in these moments that you create for people. But then we also talk, we were talking about play, like the, like how kids are just naturally kind of better at all of this than adults are, and how that can be really a significant thing that we can think about and learn and apply to these strategies or methodologies about how we make us live healthier, better lives. And, and, and that too is something I've, I've talking with um, another, there's a really good friend of mine who does, has done a wealth of work in worksite wellness, um, George Pfeiffer, who talked a lot about play. He, he, was a, he was a runner in his, in his high school and collegiate career. And for him, that, that gave him that runner's high mentality that he then went back and kind of thought about like play and what are, what do we learn through play that is so critical for us to live healthier lives? And I'm, I'm definitely generalizing his work, but I want to get there quick because we talked about play in, in your work with kids. You know, that's, that has definitely has a place in where, where you've developed your water bear planet strategies. I wanted, to talk, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about play and looking forward to what we can do. So starting to pivot our conversation about things we can do. And that play is something that involves not only that connection to nature, but our, our mind, body, spirit, and kind of let us let go of things and let us have a space where we're just enjoying the thrill of doing something. Yeah, I mean, the thing about play is that it's timeless. I mean, when, when you're in a deep play scenario, when kids are deep in play, like time is not a thing for them. 
you know, if you like think about a small child where before the concept of time really gets ingrained, it's always like two more minutes, two more minutes, just pushing out <laughs> the, uh, you know, the requirement to do something else that they're not doing. Um, but play is self-determined. It's, it's an activity that's intrinsic to our own, our own inner world. And I think that's the key part, right? Um, part about being, I mean, and, and it's not disconnected from nature at all because it's, it's, that's really tapping into, you know, who we are. Um, play, play allows us to explore and get to know our environment and to find out how we like to do things that work for us. Um, and I just watched recently the movie on Netflix about the octopuses my octopus, the teacher, and how this octopus lives like, you know, only a year. I mean, and it has to learn all of these things really, really fast. And, you know, it's part of, there's a huge amount of experimentation that happens, like what works, what doesn't work, um, being open, not get, hanging on to things that are just not getting the food, <laughs> like, Try it, try it until you get it. And then you have this new strategy in place. I mean, a lot of us experience that in various ways. Tinkerers, you know, if you're, you have a hobby, you know, you have less, um, I feel like that's part of, you know, an interesting part as adults, we can have hobbies where we're experimenting and trying out things and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And that's play, you know, from an adult standpoint. Um, you know, I think when it starts to feel less like play when you're like, okay, I have to do X, Y, and Z by this date. And you, you, you make it very goal oriented, which is, can be a conflict for our inner being because you don't really know what the process is going to be or the timing on it always. So it puts a pressure on, which can be helpful, but um, it can feel less playful depending on, you know, your personality. Um, some people are very competitive with themselves and it's part of their process. So whatever works. Um, but play, being, and for me, it's, it's again about being present with yourself and being aware and slowing down to be, to notice what's happening. Um, and that's restorative. I mean, taking, going into your inner world is what restores us. So if you're in a more playful state, you're connected with that. Um, and it doesn't have to take much. It can just be a moment. Yeah, I, I love that you were talking about creativity there too, because so the creative process is something that I'm, I'm a strong advocate for. And I my as a as a young person, I was heavily involved in art as something I did in my school, something I did fun. I went to college on an art scholarship and but I never majored in it. And but it it always had this place in my in in my heart and soul. And then as I've gotten into the wellness field I'm looking at, well what, when we talk about wellness, what do we how do we really how can we really talk about that that matters to people? And I always come back to it really comes down to four sets of actions that we take as people. And one is to be connected with others. One is to contribute to back. So, and that can be in several different ways. Um, for me, I'm a coach, high school soccer coach. And that's my, that is my contribution in a lot of ways. And it creates avenues for other contributions, whether that's um, having my kids have a, be part of a campaign on mental health or teaching them about um, respect, integrity, and nonviolence. And I have all the opportunities to add the value systems there with them. And so that's an important part. Um, and then taking care of ourselves, like our own self-care, but also care of others. That's also important. But the fourth one that I that I love talking about the most is creativity because it's something that is easily lost or it's or sometimes we, to your point, we sometimes don't recognize our creative process as our as a hobby or we don't have creativity as part of our, our kind of our pathway. And there's so much research across the board on the benefits of 
So a lot of the work that you're doing or a lot of the work in terms of people, you know, journaling or drawing or sketching or painting or listening to music or making music or just simply um, experiencing art and or music or reading as well creates this opportunity to escape into this creative world that is out there and being it helps you release and find things. So, and we we work here. There's um, an organization here, Create. We talked with their executive director about, you know, or how do we how can we offer our companies like the opportunity to think about creative time off? So we we have wellness days sometimes built into people's work schedule. But what if we what if we offered creative time off and, and we created a template for that or we provided opportunities for that? What might we learn? Because we know, um, and at least on a in a couple instances where if people are allowed to be creative problem solvers, they tend to do better in their jobs or we create those opportunities for work to be improved. And so we, we forget sometimes the creative process is something that we do need to bank time for because we need to allow it to grow. We, we need to allow it to go through the messiness to get somewhere. And the messiness is sometimes time that we don't want to waste. We just want to get somewhere. So creativity involves a process that is so important to our well-being. And, and I'm, I'm glad that you talked about it there as, as adults. I mean, kids... Creativity is naturally what they're doing. They're constantly tinkering and learning something or doing something or a lot of their curriculum involves drawing and doing things. So it becomes part of what they're doing. But then as we get an adult, have, have we have we lost that or have we where can we fulfill that if we don't have it in our lives? And and I think that's that is absolutely an avenue that we can continue to explore and grow or you know, future opportunities to be thinking about creative time and how much of that we allotted to ourselves and, and what does it look like? Well, when you speak about creativity that way, creative process, creative time, it also, what comes to mind is how much leeway do we give ourselves? How much space do we give ourselves, even in the most mundane things? to make it creative. Again, it comes back to the idea of you can still spend five minutes eating your sandwich, but how are you eating your sandwich? And the experience of it can be a very, can very much be a creative act. How you engage with it, how, and if you're talking about mindfulness, how present are you with your sandwich? <laughs> it sounds silly, but how present are you with your sandwich? Um, and so it is, there are so many ways. I think it's, it's also, again, a mindset. It's not so much about time, just like self-care doesn't have to be about time. It's how we do it. Yeah. Well, how we are, our mindset, how we're thinking about our moments in life. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's one of those things where you see that the influx of people showing their um, postings and social media about how they've learned to make sourdough bread or, there's an activity. So I, I always, I applaud every one of those because it shows that so we have an opportunity to learn something new and it doesn't really matter ultimately what it is. It is something, and if it, and if it's something that takes a little time to do, even better because it means that you're going to have a little bit of commitment of process there and probably learning, testing and failing and growing and all those things relate to, to how we envision what we want in our lives too. And if we allow ourselves those opportunities, we're yeah. likely to grow. Exactly. I mean, there's a joy in going through the process, which is probably one of the biggest gains. You know, joy is a very powerful feeling, um, which we could have a lot more of <laughs> in this world. And um and yeah, the example of people baking and, you know, I mean, I've certainly had, I haven't baked a sourdough uh, during COVID, but I have made new things that I've never tried before. And that was fun. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to give it a whirl. And, you know, in a time where you can't 
do large new things. You can't necessarily travel as easily as you once did, although it's still possible. You know, if your life has, you know, geographically shrunk and socially shrunk from a physical standpoint, suddenly all these little new things become really exciting. And so, I, and in some ways, I feel like this time has enabled many of us to at least experience the joy in the little things, in the little experiments to see like, okay, this is what I have. I'm going to do it this way. And that's powerful. Um, and it makes a difference. And I think that has, that has been a, a good um, a good outcome in terms of recognizing the value of trying little things and see how you feel about it and learning and experimenting and everything we just talked about. It's yeah. And then you apply the same process that works for you to other big things that you want to see happen. So. Yeah. It all comes down to self efficacy. And as you, as you start to do things, you start to find that you're capable of so much more and we're, we're capable of doing really tough things. We're capable of doing great things. And that, that capability is the, that is the, that's the golden part of all of this. It's what do we think our capacity is? And so as we, and so as we start to look, so we're still kind of early in this new year. And so looking ahead and wanting to get just your, your last thoughts here on, so in terms of building capacity, so for us as people looking ahead to this year, I mean, what, what are you, what would be your advice to, people to be thinking about and thinking about doing for themselves here over, over this year, over this time to, to be continue to work towards a better sense of prosperity for ourselves. Hmm. Great question. I mean, the, besides obviously looking at some of your classes on water bear planet, <laughs> I mean, self-efficacy is really the big one, um, but applying it to new areas of life. So the ones that you, the areas of life that you've decided to value more through this whole experience, I think is really key because it's going to be unique and specific to you individually and obviously connected to the people who you are closest to in your life, your family and loved ones as appropriate. And um yeah, I mean, I, I, who knows what the future brings, uh, but it's like one day at a time and focusing on the things that you feel most deeply connected to, kind of, you know, at a very personal, soulful level, um, because that's where the juice is you know, for each of us is to really know what that is and to explore it and to find it in the little things. Um, and then I, I think that's pretty much all we can do. <laughs> and that, that kind of opens up, that's like stepping stones. It's like when you're on a hike, you don't, if you've been on a trail before, even if you've been on it a million times, or it's your first time on a particular trail, you, you're just, you're, it's one foot in front of the other. Um, you're going somewhere with that for sure. And also, it, you know, what's powerful, you know, in every class that we offer um, for either the public or our members or private classes, it's always, it comes down to also your intention. And I, you know, intention is a word that's used a lot. The reason I like it um, is because you're getting into how you want to feel. You don't know exactly how it will look, but you know that hey, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to make sure that I'm sleeping better. I don't know exactly how I'm going to get there, but I am going to be open to taking the little steps that might help. Like maybe, you know, and there's so many, sleep is an example that there's so many different reasons and there are definitely sleep experts, experts out there and I'm not one of them, but I know some, um, you know, there are steps that can be taken um, with support of a sleep expert if that's something you're wanting to improve or, um, or just very basic things. Try something new. Like if your habit has been to like go to bed with your phone 
as the last thing you see, maybe don't do that. And maybe try something new for two or three days. Um, that's an example that's been given. So keep it small, keep it simple, keep it actionable, and reach out for help with whatever area. You know, we're here to support each other. I think that's the biggest thing. So I always encourage people to find their way with the support that is in vast, that is in vast abundance. Um, Excellent. I, I appreciate entirely that perspective and think that it neatly ties into your value system, which is obvious in the work that you're doing, but also the best pathway forward. And, and I think your last point is uh, one that we, I, you know, I've been saying this for a while, it's just like our, our, our community in, in wellness, when the story gets written about our field and everything, it's really a field of communion and it's really a field of togetherness. And that's because we understand that people-centered activity, whatever it is, is the one that is the most important. And if we can focus on that people-centric method through every one of our practices, then we're likely doing the right thing for people. And that's always at the center and water bear point at your work is indicative of that and your approach is that and it ties with your values and your own path which is all part of that picture of this so Sharon I want to thank you for joining me today and absolutely wonderful and for those uh, that are listening to this of course we'll share the link for your for your work and, and you know encourage people if they are searching for these things in their lives to, to visit your site and, and check it out and, and enjoy the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me, Derek. Happy to uh, have this conversation and look forward to keep chatting further as well. Excellent. It's been yep. a pleasure, always. <laughs> well, thank you. And we will definitely have to have you on again sometime soon. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so right. much. Yeah. Bye-bye.